Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I am your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. Joining us today, we have special guests, John and Niall, of Batman 89 again. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you for having us. Yes. Hello, it is I, John, everyone's least favorite podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, John is is definitely in my top two hosts of Batman at 89. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Oh, I was getting ready to, to give a nice thank you speech, you know, cry, <laughs> it's going to be at the Oscars, and then you, you did that swerve. Uh, that was that was like a wrestling style swerve. Right? <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I've been steel well. chaired to the back of the head. Yes. So yeah. So we've we've asked you, gentlemen, back to uh, to take your abuse over minute forty <laughs> of the movie Groundhog Day. Uh, so uh, so Dave, what's what what weapons are we fighting with? What what are we talking about with minute forty? Okay. Well, uh, minute forty. Uh, Phil asks. Nancy to wish him luck and Nancy and Phil then uh, they wrestle on the couch uh, he keeps accidentally calling her Rita uh, she seems concerned but then he says you know what he always loved her and he's gonna marry her he proposes right then and there and she doesn't even care that hey he's calling her Rita <laughs> A bit, whatever like before we get into the the icky stuff here uh that's coming up that we'll have to tackle this minute i do have to ask like if, I, I think from listening to the show like dave you've been to a groundhog day haven't you like a groundhog day celebration would that be correct i have i have not sadly. you have not oh sorry but sorry. but but yeah that was the first time i ever heard about this movie was my teacher when i was in i think third or fourth grade said they were going to and i was like what is this you're talking about like i never heard about it and i said it must have been about a year or two after the movie came out yeah and it already was getting a fan base of people who are going fanatic about going to see the groundhog yeah and like sean have you have you been to one yourself or no i have not not yet i need need to know like the thing that really strikes (laughs) me about this whole thing is that the groundhog day as like a day of celebration seems to be so early in the morning like it's he's up at six. It's got to be mm-hmm. because of what what's going on. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like, does like, why 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 do I have to take out the groundhog that early in the morning? Is that just when it wakes up? Is it like a nocturnal animal, and this is just before it goes to bed? Because it seems like you you built up all this hoopla, and then by it's, it's still a day that people can like oh you go to work after this. Like I, I said, like I if we're gonna make it a holiday. Make it a holiday. Like have a like have the ceremony at like two p.m. or something. So it's like everyone gets the day off and have it, you know, you'll get in a lot more tourist dollars by people being there all day and, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I don't get why it's so insanely early in the morning, but unless it's just for like the purposes of the movie where they're like, no, we need him to get out of bed, go straight to the thing. And then he, he's got the rest of the day free to do with whatever he wants. <laughs> Plus, would I mean, it draw tourists in? Do they know it's a real thing? Right. Because as a, as a viewer of the movie... I don't know whether it's just me being stupid or it's just people in England. We're all stupid. But um, <laughs> when I was a kid and I watched this, I I wasn't aware it was real. 
I, I yeah. thought this was just a made-up holiday. Oh, that's weird and quirky. <laughs> yeah, it, There's no way this is a real thing. Yeah, they're exactly the same. I was I was stunned when I found out it was a real day. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, is it actually in? Is it in a place actually called Gobbler's Knob? Or is that yep. a, yes? Because oh. the, uh, I'm sure you guys must have addressed like in the UK. A placement called Gobbler's Knob is just like, <laughs> and that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that's, censored. That's a, and, I, and I come from a you know a place in Ireland that's quite close to, close to a town called Muff. So like I know all about <laughs> this kind of stuff. And it's like, but a like Gobbler's Knob would be like the, the people like the decency brigade would be out going, you can't call it that, yeah. Jesus Christ. Pennsylvania is a weird place, even among states here in in north america i mean they've there's a town called intercourse in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so this gobbler's knob stuff is uh is okay by them oh that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that they have to adapt that Tyrion lannister mentality of like just own it just like just, we, yeah. we know we've got a ridiculous name what of it? what are you gonna do about it <laughs> yeah. yeah you can make anything work with that attitude yeah. you better believe it listeners but it seems like that would be that's a. It's almost like a very UK comedy joke because, like, well, particularly growing up in the '90s, we had things like, you know, Noel's house party where he, he lived in a manor called Crinkly Bottom. Yeah. And you, have the, you know, even things like Faulty Towers. It's just yeah. like the fact that he's called Basil Faulty and he's got a, you know, a mismanaged hotel with his Faulty oh. Towers and all that kind of stuff. And calling the place Gobbler's Knob seems like that would be in like a British TV show as a joke. Yeah, it sounds like it would be in the uh, the program The League of Gentlemen. <laughs> I think, which is fantastic. I love that program. Yeah. It sounds like they would they they would uh, move to that town in the next series or something. Yeah. I was imagining now though and like me and John's like iTunes reviews just the entire population of Gobbler's Knob Pennsylvania <laughs> just like these assholes were on another show yeah. just making fun of the name of what's up. <laughs> well, though this is not entirely unusual, um it, we do get the idea that Kind of, this is a, a holiday for the town. Most of the folks are not going to work. Obviously, things like the diners open and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people milling around. We have that here. I don't know if that's a thing in England or the UK where um, there's just like a regional or a local holiday that isn't really a big deal. Like certainly that day on the calendar still exists other places, but it's not always celebrated the same way or to the same extent. Uh, for example, near where I am in, in Massachusetts, we've got um, Patriots Day, which I believe is the third. It's celebrated the third Monday in April, but it's um, so it celebrates the battles. And I don't I don't want to push any buttons, but it was the first <laughs> example that came to my head. But it celebrates the battles of Lexington and Concord during the Revolutionary War mm. that were fought in this area. I'm just a few miles away from ah. from where those battles actually occurred and they do they do the whole reenactment they've got the um, going the night before the ride of Paul Revere where he rides from uh, from Cambridge to Lexington and on to Concord to say that the the British troops are coming and then the the Americans gathered and they do a reenactment of the battle on the Lexington green and then um, and that's all the battle happens at 6 a.m. or some other ungodly hour in the morning because because that's when it you know that's when the battle actually happened when the marching troops they they hit lexington early in the morning and so they they do the whole at six so they were marching already before they were yeah they were marching all night but that's and that but that i mean it's a big deal around here 
But most most places of the country, they won't even know that's a holiday. They don't celebrate it. Businesses don't close or anything like that. Whereas here in Massachusetts and in New England, because the events commemorated happened here, it's kind of a big deal. So I, I would say for most of America, if if Groundhog Day fell on you know a regular day of the week, and in we're supposing this happens in 1993. Um, when February 2nd was a Tuesday. So for most of the country, they would just wake up and with the morning news or with the morning weather report, someone would say, hey, by the way, the the stupid rodent saw a shadow again this year. <laughs> um, but for Punxsutawney in, in that region, in that area, it may well be a big deal where most people are off and they're celebrating all day and they're not going into work and they've got time to, um, you know, to get reacquainted with an old high school classmate and then decide to get married that same day. Yeah, I've I've noticed like weirdly living in England for the past like twelve or so years that there's there's things that should be national holidays in England that they just don't bother celebrating. Yeah, like because yeah. <laughs> yeah. like they celebrate St Patrick's Day in England. Like it's like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> like I know people yeah. who take the day off work for St Patrick's yeah. Day and the day after, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. But St George's Day, patron saints of England. <laughs> no one cares when it's a George's Day. No, no one, nobody no? gives a damn. I couldn't even tell you when it is. <laughs> I remember, like, I had a friend of mine, like, I was in my first year of university. My friend Richard was like, "Hey, happy St George's Day." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I think even most of his English friends were like, "What are you talking about?" Is that the, the, the furthest I'll go is maybe I'll buy an English beer and have that. <laughs> <That's about laughs> one bottle. Yeah. I think, though, because it's not as intrinsically linked with getting drunk, which is why, <laughs> you know, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day is it's just appropriated by all people, pretty much. It's like, <laughs> hey, my, my auntie met an Irish man one time. I'm one quarter Irish now. <laughs> <laughs> it helps that we live in Liverpool as well, though, which is like 99% Irish. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally, totally, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's strange, though. You say, I was in London once on St. Patrick's Day, mm. and... I think we were, uh, my hotel just happened to be right at the start of the parade route for oh. the St. Patrick's Day parade through London. All the, they had like, um, like flatbed trucks with Irish dancers on the back and, um, pantomime and people, you know, people in costume and whatnot. And I'm just like, what, what's all this then? You know, I'm just, <laughs> like, I didn't think I was in the place for that thing to happen, but it, I was and it did. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, definitely. Definitely. Especially in London. There's, there's a lot of Irish immigrants there as well, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, well, one, one thing is actually, it's getting, it's getting bigger every year and it's entirely through the prevalence, I think, of American media is uh, <laughs> Halloween over here. Cause like, I love Halloween. It's like my favorite holiday, but when I was a kid, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, it was just you'd go around doing a bigger, bit of trick-or-treating, and maybe you'd get, like, a scary movie on. But mm-hmm. it's because of how big it seems to be in America, and because of, like, you know, more and more generations have been saturated with that as, like, oh, Halloween's, like, a huge deal. It, it seems to be getting bigger every year that you see it's more prevalent in shopping, mm. you know, like, places that have Halloween decorations up and about. Whereas a couple of years back, wouldn't have seen that. Would have just gone by unnoticed. But mm-hmm. now it's like, oh no, it's 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 not as big as it seems to be in America, but it it is getting there. Like, it's, huh? I don't know. It's I mean, I think there. it's kind of uh, to me, it's a bit of both. It might just be where I lived, um, or it could be because of where you've lived. I don't know. When I was a kid, I I think it was quite important. Like we used to go to school in our Halloween costumes, mm. like a, a primary school, you know, um, 
when I was quite young, we'd go we, and then we'd go trick or treating, and there'd be like a little fair on. Um, and you don't really see kids doing that now. But at the same time, we seem to have taken on this this current American idea of um, you don't have to dress in a scary costume; it can just be something, anything. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I was a kid, you had to be there was like a set like five things. It's like you're a witch, mm. you're a mummy. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't deviate from these. <laughs> I just think I had like the standard like. Uh black plastic bag as a witch's cowl yeah i did like a couple of years running straight i think like i remember asking to dress dress up as the joker one year and my mom wouldn't let me she's just like no you're you're going as a witch again and perhaps now this is why i've overcompensated so much by doing an entire podcast where i've analyzed every minute of the joker in batman but it's finally been revealed (laughs) it's like that was the entire minute like midway through like i don't care about any of these other films that was the only one i wanted to talk about Yeah. Uh, listeners, I want to throw a few things out. I want you to have some fun with. Uh, when you're done with this episode, uh, type in on YouTube, Girls Costume Warehouse. That's an old college humor video. It's prime about all the girls' costumes that are worn on Halloween. I'm, gonna leave, <laughs> I'm not even going to bring up how funny it is, but it, it, it is. Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Hol- I am glad Halloween is getting more more play in Europe. <laughs> I am glad that. Um, the one thing I want to I want to set the record straight was as is, is a lot of uh, a lot of media has at the same time when kids are trick or treating that other delinquent kids are TPing houses and egging. Oh, uh, yeah, you get the egg in here. Yeah. Technically, technically, uh, traditionally, that's not on the same night as Halloween. That is the night before. Mm. And in only a few, actually, a very small part of our country, it's actually called Mischief Night. Oh, it's, oh, yeah. We have yeah, that only, in the UK, yeah, it's, but it's on a different night. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's the night before Halloween is Mischief Night. And I looked, like I kind of did a poll. I, was, I think I had a poll somewhere. That's only in like, yeah, Europe. Uh, yeah, and, and, and like um, uh, for some reason, like the Philly, Jersey area, mm. it's called Mischief Night. And then there's like no night name for it anywhere else in the country i find it so so odd uh, i know in liverpool i think it's the night before guy fox night i think is is, is i'm not too sure i think it's i think it's both you know uh, but yeah <laughs> at least any excuse to egg people but yeah, <laughs> but yeah mischief night yeah. or is it the scousers of the liverpoolians call it mizzy night it's mizzy night <laughs> mizzy night <laughs> mizzy night yeah but uh, although those things are like tping te- houses never seen that done in real life that's that that's an american halloween thing that's just like that's never made it over here. I don't know why. It's just like maybe a lot of houses wouldn't have as many trees out in front yeah. of them as in suburban America. But <laughs> I do remember like one of the things like you see. I remember it was like it was mentioned in Freaks and Geeks. And I've seen it in a couple of things like this Halloween prank that apparently I've, it's one of these things. I think it might have been like an urban legend of like people putting razor blades and apples or something. Yeah, which we've was all that one. Right? And, <laughs> and I remember yeah. that was the most. You know, if you watch Halloween too. That's the only scary part of that. That's the only part of that movie that disturbed me is the kid going to the hospital. He's got a razor blade stuck in the roof of his mouth because that happened to him. That's the only bit of that movie. Like, it was this scary movie. That was just like, oh, Jesus. And then the rest of it's like Michael Myers going around slaughtering people. Don't care about that. But like this poor kid got a razor blade in his mouth. Did that no. actually happen to people? What the hell's going on? I think that's one of those things where like the media, like it's called sharpening apples, and it's like, <laughs> one of those things where like the news media is but making it never actually, paranoid. It's yeah. never actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Never it's one once. of those urban myths that you you know to scare yeah. people. But yeah, kids are putting razors in apples and they're huffing feces. <laughs> they're doing it in your house. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> 
That's just I, it. I like the way we've spent about 20 seconds talking about this minute. We've... Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. Let's let's. All right. Let me turn the bus back. <laughs> all right. Let's get let's get just to the point. Okay. Phil and Nancy. He says, "Wish me luck," and I don't think he's telling her to wish him luck on his broadcast. Uh. <laughs> he's saying, "Wish me luck on 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 having my luck with you." Like that's I think. <laughs> Oh, it's like it's it's back to dark Phil. Mm. Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed, which is an, another thing that it's 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 good that Phil's doing it, and I'm wondering how much he knew, how much was this was done on purpose in terms of if you're trying to kind of rope someone into this kind of deal, is they start mirroring mirroring each other's body language. Mm. So he kind of when he does he does like the pointing down like right here. And then she's like, okay, and kind of mirrors it. Like, oh, I'll stay right here to, like, make more of a connection if you start mirroring someone's body language. Mm. Yeah. So he's kind of roping her in. Ropes her in. And then, yeah, you see he he gets his right hand and does a little little handshake before he leaves. Like, look at that. Well, yeah, yeah, there's a a little bit of of contact there before he goes Uh, off. That's crucial. That's the key. Mm. That's the key. Now, I did – I had a question for – um, I guess everyone on on the panel today, how acrobatic do you get during your makeout sessions? <laughs> I just well, because there's one point, so they're they're on a, a a sofa or a couch and they're repositioning, and one point early on, it looks like Rita's in danger of going over. <laughs> The, the, Nancy. The, the back. <laughs> or, sorry, Nancy. Nancy, whatever. Yeah, Nancy. I'm doing it. No, yeah, Nancy. And it reminded me of there's a scene in Greece, the movie. Yeah. Where I think it's Rizzo and Kanicki are are making out in a car and they're like moving back and forth. They're in the back seat, they're in the front seat, they're like back into the back seat. And I'm just like I you know I am I doing it wrong? Am I just not? Am I <laughs> not? Into, I'll, I'll I'll answer first. I'll come out and say I've never gone over something like that. Like, am no. I just not enthusiastic enough as a a make outer? Like, does this connect with you guys? <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm into it, but I'm also <laughs> relatively stationary. I'll be honest. Let's, you know, there's not too much movement. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's be realistic. <laughs> the, the realistic, if you're making out and you're on lying down on a couch, you're gonna be like. The two of you are going to be rolling like hot dogs in a Seven <laughs> Eleven heater. Like that's the image I got. Was just well, yeah. Certainly, a, a, a couch is generally very narrow in terms of you can't spread out quite the same way you can in a bed. Like if one person's on top and you're trying to rearrange, but again, it looked like I, I'm I, like even just watching it, having seen this movie many times, I'm still kind of worried. Like it every time, it looks like she's. Like an inch away from just going over the back of this couch, and who knows what kind of drop is is back yeah. there. Well, that could have been a, a really interesting twist. He accidentally yeah. kills her, and, it, and, that, and that stops the day resetting. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, oh, well." He just goes back home and, and or goes back to the B and B and expects to restart the next day, and then he wakes up and like all the cops are around. Like, no, you were is... last seen with with Reed. I mean, Nancy. So uh... no, this is no, this is his room. This is his room. Is yeah. It? When I was doing the summaries, you don't see the you don't see the angle of this room until almost twenty five minutes later when he has Rita over and he says, "Check out my fake fire," and you see the couch. So for the Ooh. longest time, and I noticed it only because when the lights flicker on, it's it's a similar, um, the the window uh, 
It's the it's the it's the it's the floral wallpaper, and it's the uh, these windows over here have um, like they're the same kind of curtains. Now, how we're looking at them? Let's go to minute thirty uh, or second thirty when we see them on the couch, and she turns the light on. Okay, essentially, if we turn immediately around, we're gonna be we see what uh, his bedroom looks like. So oh. that's something that oh, okay. it's something it's what's what's interesting about this is that his room is a lot bigger than we see for the first like half of this film. Like for almost 55, 60 minutes of this movie, we think he just has a bedroom. We see a bed. He's got a chair and then a little sink yeah. water basin. Mm. Yeah, that's now, what I thought it was. That was the whole. Yeah. Like, but room. no, you turn if you if you when, when Phil opens the window, those curtains, those three windows, if you turn immediately around you will see this couch and you will see that window back there, that far left. And then on the, and then the right, you'll see the fake fireplace. So this, every time we see these rooms, I always try to like, imagine how Mrs. Lancaster's Winchester house design of, of this, of this this bed and breakfast. (laughs) How it's like, wait, where does it? So all I can think of is somehow his room is somehow it's the top floor. Like, or at least it's, Half of the top floor, because for that window to exist, yeah. that's looking out to the backyard. Yeah. Because mm. if you turn around, those windows are facing the front of the house. So that's another odd mm. thing. I mean, I, I can imagine that Phil, like, or like Rita, would have organized for Phil to have like the biggest room in the place as another measure to placate him. Has been like, look, look at how huge your room is, and him just been like, yeah, well, well, whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this... <laughs> I'm not a fan of this um, fake fireplace, though. <laughs> like, because that is almost exactly what my grandparents had, uh, and it was—it just makes me think of old people. Basically, and I don't mean that in a horrible way, but you know, spending time <laughs> with your grandparents is when you're a kid. It's quite—I found it quite depressing because you're away from your friends, you're not doing anything you want to do. You're with these old people yeah, who yeah. kind of smell funny and just give you weird food, and they have their I... strange fake fire. If it makes you feel better, I bet you these are all originally real fireplaces. Mm. But when Mrs. Lancaster turned it into a bed and breakfast, she probably didn't, you know, for health, for a fire insurance reasons. <laughs> probably yes. the inspector's like, oh, so you're going to have a real fireplace in these rooms? All right, well, that uh, with real wood, real fire, that's going to increase your premiums to X, Y, Z. And she's like, yeah. what if I change it to electric? And they go, all right, that's fine. And then she banishes them to a negative realm because she's a... She's a she's a source because <laughs> she's a demon, yeah. But uh, maybe it's because like it, this may be one of the differences between like the England and Ireland because John, you associate that with old people. I think mm. electric fires are a very modern. Like I, I think they they're almost like standard in houses now. You'd have an electric fire, and I would associate. Well, I think they had a gas one to be fair. Uh, but I always associate the old school fireplaces with my grandparents, and particularly like just my own parents because we used to have. Like a like a proper you know coal and turf burning fireplace mm. in my mm-hmm. my house when I was a kid for years like maybe up until I was about like fifteen or sixteen and I remember like because it was always the thing that like was ever someone was changing out the fire everyone no matter what was on the TV everyone else in the room would just sit and watch it as if and like my mom <laughs> used to always complain I was like Jesus Christ you people won't take your eyes off me when I'm changing out the thing <laughs> but uh, yeah particularly too with my grandparents because maybe this is something to do with it. Like, my grandfather lived to 101, and my grandmother Ooh. lived to about, like, 94. And so, oh, like, wow. they changed that fire up until, like, the day they died. <laughs> they, they didn't die on the same day, but they were 
up until a ripe old age. <laughs> like my granddad was still driving when he was like 86. Like he just wouldn't, Whoa. he wouldn't quit. So maybe it's of the old school fireplaces that that did you good. That, that was backbreaking labor that just sustained life. Was, uh, That's what it is. All the fumes yeah. somehow <laughs> sustained. Also, apparently, my granddad got an insanely huge electric shock in the 50s. So maybe that kept them going for a couple of extra years. I, I, <laughs> like cranked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just like, at the end of the day, he dies. Like, oh, the charge has finally run out. <laughs> so, so you got one of your grandparents was Chev Chelios. Yes. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to just make that the official story now. Like, <laughs> and we got, Where's my strawberry top? That's where, the, that's where our baldness gene has come from, is because Chev Chelios, Jason Statham, was my, my 101-year-old grandfather. Yeah, I can't wait for Jason Statham to get sta- sainthood. That's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> it's coming any day. Now. I just can't like, even think about it now. I can't wait for Crank Minute. Someone get on that and have me on every other minute of it, because, yes, I want to talk about Crank all, all day, every day. Please make this. Please, please, please. I would be the first listener. I'd sign up right away. So many things. I've tried to coerce so many other people into making shows now. I've been lobbying hard for Demolition Man minutes. Uh, almost Famous yes. minutes, which apparently, apparently, like I don't know if it's official yet, but it's, apparently it is coming. I've been given a guest spot on it next year. <laughs> and now, now Crank Minutes. Someone get on it. Crank Minute. Get I on re- that internet. I remember somebody was talking about Predator Minute. I think that is happening sometime next year, I oh, think. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited, especially with the new movie coming out. You can get like both the classic talk and the new movie talk. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so... So, I, <laughs> bringing I, no, no. it back to Groundhog yeah, Day. Okay, so I got... All right, so here's my note. Here's my note. Okay, so, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe he's done this several times with Nancy, and maybe he's gone to her place or his place, but I think any if he does go to his place with her... If he if he's been with her several times, he always makes a point to like walk past Mrs. Lancaster with her, like not sleeping alone at night. Like just just <laughs> as he's going by, just like sees her, like she's watching Jeopardy with the other old people. Maybe they have an electric fire out to take a look in a later minute. But him just going like, yeah, look at who I got, yeah, I'm not alone at night. Uh, that'd be weird though. Like if he did try that, and then she was just like. Little Nancy Taylor, and then they just started talking for ages. Then, oh my god, that would be oh my god. I oh, I want that scene now so bad. We're like, yeah, you're right. She recognizes her, and Phil now has to like pull them away because it's like, oh god, if she talks to like this is Lancaster, like they'll be doing that. Uh, oh my that god. reminds me actually, like the other night I was watching the the 80s remakes of The Blob with uh Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith, and there's a scene in that where like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what like some random kid in the school makes a date with Shawnee Smith. He goes into the pharmacy and makes a whole. There's a whole big kind of comic scene of him buying condoms from the the pharmacist, and then he goes to Shawnee Smith's house at you know at, at night to pick her up, and then she's like, oh. You know, allow me to introduce you to my father. And I think you can see where this is going. Turns out the pharmacist <laughs> is her dad. And you see him just, and he just looks at the guy. Yeah. But then it cuts to like the next scene, and they're they're still out in the date. So it's like, well, what happened there? Like, like okay, yeah. surely that's a scene where he would be like, no way. I know exactly what you're planning. You're not going out with this kid. You get the hell out of my house. <laughs> that, oh my God, because he's so good. If he's like, uh, may I see your date for a minute? Takes him to the kitchen. He's yeah. like, all right, I remember you bought three packs of condoms. You bought one bottle of lubricant. Like he starts, he knows the entire list the kid bought. He's like, I want it on the kitchen table right now. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. You, you you make that remark, Dave, because, um, well, so a couple of different things in, so the original screenplay by Danny Rubin had a lot of voiceover 
from Phil Connors, a lot of him talking of us through um, through his day and kind of explaining, and he's got a thing. At one point, he makes a comment about, well, you know, I've, I've been stuck in this town for so long, it's only natural, and he kind of runs down the um, the number of different women that he sort of seduced in, in this town. And then... So that eventually, so that was voiceover directly from from Phil Connors, which gets replaced in um, in the version of the script that after the Ramus rewrite, um, he actually has Phil going up to uh, Mrs. Lancaster and making some chit chat with her one morning, and and the the quote from that script is, uh, and this is Phil talking to Mrs. Lancaster at the B and B saying. I'm getting tired of casual sex, so today I thought I'd rob a bank and buy myself a really expensive car. <laughs> um, and so I know that that that's jumping ahead a little bit in terms of the the robbing the bank and the car stuff. Uh, but just because you mentioned it, Dave, I thought yeah. So there is Wait. there is some of that in the script of kind of you know Phil kind of flaunting it or, or at least talking to Mrs. Lancaster about about this loop because no one else in town's going to understand it other than her um but <laughs> i think it's a demon yeah because she is but but that and that ended up getting cut and obviously didn't make that onto uh the final screen i, screen. I yeah I, I don't like thank god i don't like any of the voiceover ideas i don't like phil having an out to us as mm. the audience i like that the yeah. theory of just phil is constantly trapped and he cannot turn to the camera mm-hmm. he can't have a voiceover because if he has a voiceover, it makes it sound like that he got out, and this is him narrating his own, you know, what's going on. Right. Yeah. I, I think it works much better, and I think it's much more interesting for rewatching that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't wink to us, and he doesn't tip his hand in terms of how long this takes. So for the longest time, certainly the first time watching, and for the longest time, I kind of went along with this. Kind of all happens in a day. Like, so one day he's asking, he's running into Nancy at the diner and asking about his, you know, her English teacher. And the next day he's asking, you know, her to be his wife. Um, And that's kind of the impression that I think they do on purpose, just kind of goes one after the other. And then as we see, we'll later, we'll see with, um, with Rita. And I think there was, we, we touched on a little bit yesterday that, these things take time that he works up this plan and kind of these lines work because he's practiced them and he's gone through this routine. And so it's, it slowly becomes revealed, or at least I felt like it was a slow reveal that everything we see taking, you know, or we see happening, there's many, many days that lead up to it. And so that this guy has been in this, you know, gone through this, um, this loop to kind of give the feel of the the huge amount of time and the kind of the space where this is all happening without without having a 10,000 year movie without showing a million different days mm. but kind okay. of say like you just show here's this thing oh and here's you know and here's how it happens here's the number of times he's going to have to go through before he gets it right and then you multiply it times however many women mm. Are in this this small town on this day. Well, this is the thing I found a bit strange, right? Okay, he's gone through this hundreds of times, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows how many times? But she, in her mind, hasn't. Right. Now, to me, it's funny, but at the same time, the movie seems to 
be making a slightly strange joke, right? It seems to be implying that, oh, women just want to get married, right, guys? Yeah, huh? I mean... <laughs> like, because yeah, that seems to be yeah. the whole thing. It's like, oh, I'll shut her up by just saying, let's get yeah, married. Like, yeah. But she's only just met him again. I mean, it's, again, like the, the dialogue in this whole interaction to me is a bit sort of insane really because it's like he, he, <laughs> yeah. he calls her rita and then she's like oh what is this some kind of one night stand and it's like look at how heavily she's going at him the day she's met him <laughs> what was she expecting was she, was she thinking like she's blatantly going to have intercourse with this man on the first date <laughs> and it's like well what was the, she you know the, the, traditionally and most you know uh, sort of up you know stodgy sort of like uh you know, sort of like most unorthodox kind of things, like putting out in the first date wouldn't. It's not seen as the as the thing to do, but like, is she expecting more from Phil automatically? Of just like, yep, we're gonna go in, have sex, and now we're a couple. It's it seems weird. like because she, she's yeah. going in for what looks like one night stand behavior to me, at least. But yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's straight. It, it's I would think. Like, yeah, like you said, that this is all, even if he's planned out the day and said, like, all the right things and pulled on all the right memories from her childhood to kind of convince her that they went to high school together. Like, I would, yeah, I would think the problem, yeah, that that, that when he says you know, the, the mention of wife, that like, that would. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that seems more, like, I'm more... I'm more accepting of the one night stand that, okay, you're, mm. you're about to be intimate with this person that you've only, you know, even if you did know each other a long, long time ago in high school, you've really only known this one day, yeah. like you're, you're going to marry like, and she seems okay with that. Like, mm. yeah, like she, I would think not only okay, yeah, like that she would seems be, like really yeah. romantically bowled over by like, he just called you the, the name of the wrong woman. She called, he called you by a different name. <laughs> yeah. And then he's in, he's just proposed to you, and you've only just really met him for the first time, <laughs> like essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets really like, oh, this is she has she says like, oh, Phil, and a kind of like, this is so romantic, and it's like this is crazy. This woman is crazy. Like every- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, she there's this sad, lonely Nancy in this town. Mm. Yeah. That- yeah. That she sees this guy as an old friend from high school. She, I mean, yeah, if you ask her right now, you know, tell me all the, de- the facts you know about Fel Connor. She's going to write on a napkin. That's all she needs. Yeah. There's how many little details she knows. But yeah, she just seems to jump at. He's a successful weatherman, and he's gonna, <laughs> he's going. Yeah. We're gonna get mm. married, and she's going to. I mean, she's excited that. As we say, it's so weird. It's like it doesn't. It gives the feeling that she doesn't have friends she doesn't have mm. any significant people in her life that she doesn't hesitate at all like i said later in this movie i said i was doing the summaries you know like rita acts really accurately when he says i love you it's because it's like what yeah. like you know <laughs> yeah because she knows phil about as much as nancy does mm. yeah. and then she it breaks it out of that spell of wait wait a second like we barely talked with each other like you know we barely know each other outside of this day mm. And you're throwing that word around, you know. He doesn't say marriage, but you know it's about the same amount of strength yeah. when you say. It. I'm, I'm actually yeah. genuinely interested in. I know that you guys will get like deep into this kind of material way, way later on in it, but like a post, a post Groundhog Day because you know the the, the one of the numbers that's run around for how long he's in the loop is like ten thousand years, which in itself <laughs> is just like you think he'd come up in like Doctor Manhattan or something. He'd just be like, <laughs> you just know everything about everything, and just be like, I've spent the past ten thousand years studying everything. Like I just, you know, just all I see now is moving piles of atoms and things like that. 
But the fact that he's gone, like, his relationship with Rita is, like, still to her, it's like, yes, we met, he was an asshole, the next day he was the most wonderful man ever, and now he's out and he's just, he's finally back in a world where he's like, I don't know what's coming next, I literally have no idea what's, like, I know that the dog, the dog should bark over there, but the dog's not, like, what, what's, you know, it's, I I don't Mm -hmm. think Phil's mental, you know, I don't think his mental state could withstand like the, I don't think him and Rita have a future basically because I think he probably goes completely insane after after he gets out of the loop. Like I think it breaks him <laughs> to have to go back to normal life because then just since you've gone from being like, well, I was a mortal, and now I'm just a man again. <laughs> it's just like it's it's a lot of questions about the you know that could be potentially mined yeah, well, in like you know post Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, I think there there would be interesting to see how you adapt to. Yeah, he's like cooking dinner one night, you know, so him and Rita have run off to live happily ever after and he kind of, you know, he burns dinner and then he's like, oh, well, let's don't worry about it. We'll wake up tomorrow and I'll remember to set the timer. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's got to remind him like, no, it that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like dinner's going to stay burned. Some, some of these things like, it would remind me as well of, you know, it's a, it's a very good episode of uh, Star Trek Next Generation where Picard, like I kind of gets lifted by some sort of alien orb and he's put into someone else's body. And then he mm-hmm. lives an entire life, lifetime as this man on to some planet. And he has a family and he has kids. And his whole big thing is, this, yeah, like Picard's had this rich, fulfilling life, a life he would never have had because, you know, he joined Starfleet. He's getting to see what would have happened if he had just stayed. He could have been happy. He oh, wouldn't have had man. to go on this crazy mission. He wouldn't have been t- assimilated into the Borg and all this kind of, all these traumatic things. And then at the end of the episode, obviously he comes back, he's Captain Picard again. But he's lived this, he's lived about like, 50 years it's somebody else yeah and then next episode never mentioned again and it's like the, 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 the <laughs> toll that they have in your psyche is just is overwhelming like of course i would affect yeah. you for the rest of your life didn't they bring really a... do the same plot in adventure time yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's an episode where the, that exact thing happens and it's it's really dark and horrible <laughs> i think <laughs> I think Brainiac does that to Superman, and uh, I remember one of the animated episodes. Like, he, like, like, Kal- he wakes up at Kal El, like he's like on Krypton. He has a family, and and it's like a beautiful. Everything's beautiful, and then he slowly's breaking out of that 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 program that has him trapped in his own mind. Mm. And yeah, he's got to tell his son like. Like I love you for what it's worth, but I know you're not real. Yeah. It's, and he's just like, I have to break out of this now, and I'm never gonna see you again. Mm. And he's oh. like, he's giving this honest, this honest conversation <laughs> to a figment of his own imagination that he has <laughs> to like, I need to have this closure with you because otherwise I'm going to lose my yeah. mind that this never existed. Like the, I'm alone and the only Krypton. I think if, uh, if, if I was a showrunner though, I would have to insist like every couple episodes just have like Superman or Captain Picard mentions like. I'm just thinking about like my son who doesn't exist anymore, who never existed. <laughs> like it's, but I had a whole relationship with him. It's like Riker's coming in, telling him about like, oh, like the toilet's clogged down in B deck. I mean, he's, he's just like, you don't understand what I've been through, man. <laughs> like I've been, I've got the time. I can't just go instantly back into being a Starfleet captain. I've been gone for fifty years. God damn it. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you know, we have. Yeah, we have Nancy just being swooned by the by the marriage proposal, which, yeah, really, it's it, it's like a sad thing. Like you, I want Nancy. You know, when Phil does leave this town with Rita and everything, I do want Nancy. I hope I hope it works out for Nancy. That's what I'm saying. I hope maybe that's maybe I'll I'll check. Maybe by the end of this movie, he maybe he he helps Nancy 
feel more <laughs> confident about herself and she's going to go out and she's going to actually meet a guy who's going to treat her right and not just one night stand her for his own enjoyment. Yeah, I think there's there's there are some problems with some of the characters in the movie. I think we get, just speaking of the women, we, we get an idea. I think Rita is a very complete character. I think we get a lot of Mrs. Lancaster and kind of her life and what's going on there. But these these dates that Phil goes on, the I don't know, the movie kind of treats these women the same way that Phil does. That they're very disposable, very generic. He's just passing through. Um, and you know, he's just kind of do or say anything to to reach his goal with a feeling that, well, we're moving on to the next day, we're moving on to the next scene or the next plot point, so we're not gonna worry about the details too much. We're just, you know, whatever it takes to, to get through yeah. it. In a, in a, in a way, I think that's almost a good thing to do. It's like, make them feel like almost cardboard cutouts of people, mm-hmm. because then I'm going to, I'm going to keep cutting back to um, Gus and Ralph. And when Ralph says that, like, yep, same town, nothing I do matters. Like it starts to feel like you're, you can apply that to almost every person in this town. They're not achieving any goal. They're not trying to branch out of their town. They decide, this is my life. I just stay in this town and I have my little thing I do. And every Groundhog Day, I go down to the festival. Then I go get coffee. And then I walk around town and get drunk. You know, it's like, oh, like you don't want to think about mm. that. So that's maybe it's why. It's like they they have that moment with Gus and Ralph. So you, you get to have that sad kind of. That, that 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 window into their lives but maybe they don't want to do it with these women too because it's just like mm. starts to make it like it makes like its own sub movie about like the the i don't know the lack of adventure in the town i don't know what the word i'm looking for is here where it's just everyone in this town is already like they've already settled mm-hmm. like they're barely 40 and they've just they just settled mm. well is it interesting so i wasn't eh, interesting that you mentioned age so kind of one of the things I was wondering is how how believable is this couple as <laughs> high school classmates? <laughs> and obviously, Re- our Nancy has bought into it. She buys it. Um, they're, the age difference is 12 years. Really? Whoa. Wow, really? Yeah. So in, in real life, all the characters. In, in in real life, okay, okay. I don't know. We don't get the characters' actual ages, but in real life, uh, Bill Murray is twelve years um, older than Marita uh, Garrity looks, here, uh, the actress. That'd be great though if there was some, a scene of him like approaching like a like a twenty year old or something. <laughs> which actually, yeah, I mean for 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 Hollywood standards. I mean, she could practically be playing his mother at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, by Hollywood standards, him being only 12 years older is is much better than they usually do. Usually you have like a, you know, a 90-year-old Al Pacino uh, with some, you know, 20-year-old like, star. Like, oh, I don't yeah, know. Like, I think he was like Greta Gerwig in a movie. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> I do yeah. have this image now, though, of like Bill Murray wearing the, uh, like the Steve Buscemi Outfits and come on, oh, Bill Wilkins. Was it the music band t-shirt? Yeah, I, I find it interesting though. Movies from around this kind of time, like the from the mid eighties to yeah, around this sort of era, like early mid nineties. Um, the way someone like Bill Murray can be the lead of your movie, especially a movie that's got kind of romantic things in it. 
because mm-hmm. I, I don't mean this is a bad thing, but he, he's not like a conventionally handsome man, is he? You you don't look at him and think, oh. <laughs> so it, it's it's I love that about the era. Like you got it with with all kinds of movies from from the mid eighties onwards. You know, like uh, you have your John Hughes movies, you have um, Molly Ringwald and stuff. She doesn't look like someone you would cast in those roles now. I don't think, and I don't think you'd get you'd cast a Bill Murray in this mm. part now. I mean, you still get like. Like Will Ferrell and and stuff, I guess, but they are much more broader comedies. They're not; mm, they're way yeah, more yeah. zany. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you get like a. That's not to like you know to poop on Will Ferrell's acting ability or anything, but yeah, no, I think this is a bit more subtle and it's and it's humor than some of the things. So yeah, yeah, I think you're you you you're onto something there. <laughs> I'm trying to think now. Like, would would that be fun to do? Is like maybe not a whole movie, but like. But to to send Will Ferrell into a Groundhog Day type of scenario, and then he gets to like, you know, you really get to see his different acting chops. You get to see mm. him being normal, him going outrageous over being like, you know, going over the same day every mm. time, and and then him trying to woo women using his knowledge of the day. That's yeah, that could could work, yeah. could work. Hmm. Um, all right, so that's that is definitely my notes for yeah. a minute. Uh, <laughs> yes. What else we got? What else we got? Because I'm ready for a minute forty one. I want to see uh, what else Phil has planned. Yeah, I'm I'm good to go. Yeah. yeah, that's all I had for uh for minute forty, gentlemen. Anything else? And this is uh, yeah. So anything else for minute forty or anything else on on Nancy? Uh, I've one thing on Nancy, but I think I'll tie it into something that's coming next minute. So I think uh, I think I'll I'll uh I'll save you in the editing room of having to cut down an additional ten minutes of, <laughs> of material. <laughs> my, my only thing about uh the actress was it Marita uh, Garrity? Is that his yes. name? Yeah, Marita the only thing I had here was Niall, She's your ideal woman. Yeah. She's been in Seinfeld and <laughs> Frasier. <laughs> the thing is, like, you're mm. spot on. And because I noticed that myself yesterday, I watched both episodes of those shows so I could familiarize <laughs> myself with them. with her. Work. There you go. I knew it. I actually, uh, in the episode of Frasier, she's in. It's actually almost a kind of similar scene with Phil Connors, where like Frasier's having to take over Tony Shalhoub's new, like newsstand for a minute. And then she comes along and she's like, oh, you're from the, the radio. And it's kind of like he tries to strike a date with this woman he's just met on the street. And she's impressed by the fact he's a celebrity, much like Nancy Taylor, with the fact that Phil Connors <laughs> is, a, is a weatherman, yeah. apparently. So. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Son of a gun. <laughs> well, uh, all right, well, well, thank you both for joining us today. And, uh, yeah, if our listeners want to hear more about you, ramble on anything. Where can they listen to you? <laughs> Where, where can't you listen to us? We seem to be everywhere at the moment. You'll be sick of listening to us. But if you haven't checked out our show, Batman 89, where we go through Tim Burton's Batman, one minute at a time, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> then you can look us up. Yeah, just, just put in that, you know, just put in Batman 89 into Google. We'll pop up. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's a Tumblr we never use, but if you message us, we'll use it because I'll get the notification. <laughs> nice. Yeah, check us out there. And yeah, iTunes. Nope. <laughs> All right, Sean, take us home. <laughs> oh, and as always, you can you can find us at groundhogminute.com and you can also uh, join our conversation. Our listener group on Facebook is Gobbler's Knob. And we're also on Twitter at Groundhog Minute. And you can always reach us at groundhogminute at gmail.com for the uh, for the email. But uh, that is it for us for this week. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. Oh, Phil.
Bye.